Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to the It's Your Time World podcast. I'm Matt alongside Steve Bartle. Nate Wade Super is our sponsor. They love us and we love them more. 2107 South Main Street, Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, South State Street, I should say. I apologize. Uh, they're just like a, a few minutes from downtown Salt Lake City, um, right diagonally across the road from uh, Smith's Ballpark. Yeah, where the bees play. So kind of down that way. Anyway, whatever. Um, they're beautiful people. They've got great cars. There's a reason you see so many of them on the road. And uh, don't be a fool. Head on down. Check them out. Uh, while you're there, check Steve out. At sbottle 247 or on com. Myself at Tom Can't Hack It or at kslsports.com. It's rivalry week. Steve, what does that mean? It means we're going to talk Utah BYU uh, and everything that comes comes with that, um, and we'll just see where the wind takes us. How has Rivalry Week been for you so far, Steve? Man, I tell you what, Tom, it's been a lot of fun. Um, it's uh, it's always interesting, right? Like Rivalry Week with this Utah BYU thing. Uh, but I think I, I've made it a point to kind of enjoy this week more than like stress over it. And, you know, thankfully, like, we know a lot of fun BYU guys and, you know, we, we have the opportunity to work with some, you know, fun BYU guys, you know, Mitch Harper there at KSL Sports, Jeff Hansen with, you know, our 24-7 sports site here. Um, and so it's, it's, I've worked a lot with Jeff this week and we've had a lot of fun um, talking about the game. So uh, from that aspect, man, it's been fun, but I'm excited for uh, Saturday night for these guys to hit the field and, and, uh, and, you know, go to battle. Yeah. I, I look, I, um, I've kind of always felt this way and, and, and rivalry, we can get a little out of hand depending on who you're yeah. hanging around with, what you're reading. Um, but I've always, I've always felt like, you know, the majority of people get it and, and they, they go about it the right way. Look, it's a game of football for crying out loud between two teams that historically have never really gotten along with each other. But at the current minute, uh, they, they seem to get along pretty well. You know, like let's not beat around the bush. Kalani Satake was under Carl Whittingham for many years. A-Rod was at Utah for like 13 seasons or something stupid. Uh, Tuiaki. I mean, the list goes on. The list goes on. Right. There are just so many people that now have connections with Utah that were, that are now down at BYU and vice versa. So, um, I just don't think the rivalry is the same, Steve. I, I just don't think it's the same, and and I don't think it's um the same rivalry for 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 worse or for better. I, I just I just think it's different. Even when I played, there was like this unknown slash known hatred between Bronco Mendenhall and Carl Whittingham. There just was. And everybody right. knew it, but nobody really knew what it entailed. So nobody wrote about it. Very few people kind of talked about it because there just wasn't much information out there. But everybody knew they didn't like each other. It was peculiar. But now that, that that's not the case. Kalani Satake, Kyle Woodingham like each other, play golf with each other in the offseason and speak to one another frequently throughout the course of a college football season, I assume, uh, outside of this week. So um, 
I can't wait. My point here is I can't wait. I hope the fans are excited. Um, I haven't seen too too much disdain, uh, personal attacks on Twitter, which is always good because that's where that's where yeah. the line needs to be drawn, in my opinion. Just don't make it personal, guys. Come on. I think we've yeah. done a good job so far this week. What do you reckon, Steve? No, I, I'm with you there, Tom. Like that's kind of what's been fun about you know working with Jeff with his uh, Cougar Sports Insider at 24/7. Um, like we, uh, you know, we've had some fun. We've uh, written a, a, a little series and just kind of our observations, you know, on on the rival and you know me writing about BYU and Jeff writing about Utah and, and we've had we've we've been able to talk about some interesting subjects but like being critical and having fun with it and so it's just it's just been you know it's it's been interesting and um it's it's uh it's good for the fans to kind of approach it with that kind of mindset like yes it's an intense rivalry right like there are generations of fans that have you know years and years of memories good and bad in this rivalry you know on both sides right and um i think you know as long as you keep in mind that this is just you know it's just a football game right like yes there's a lot of bragging rights that come along with it and utah owns all of the bragging rights right now um you know it's uh it's always fun it makes this game fun it makes it um unique you know it is one of the the best rivalries in all of college football and that's pretty cool to have that here, uh, you know, in the state, you know, two programs like Utah and BYU that are within 50 miles of one another. And so it's pretty cool. And I, I hope that we can just kind of appreciate that fact that, you know, of all the college football programs across the country, right. Utah and BYU is one of the top rivalries um, in the game. And that's pretty cool to say. And I hope that we can appreciate that. It is a lot of fun and, you know, Utah has obviously had the better of BYU for the last decade or so, and uh, and they're uh, they're looking to to continue that on Saturday night. But um, you know, still, I, it's it's a game. It's fun. You know, especially for us fans, like we aren't the ones you know on the field grinding it out and and you know hitting each other. We're just the ones that get to get to enjoy this for our own entertainment. So um, you know, it is it is intense throughout the week for sure. Uh, it's, uh, it can lead to some heated discussions, but, you know, I think as long as we just remember, like, this is, you know, this is just fun. It's, it's, it's all of that. And, and I think that's kind of, uh, that's kind of important to always, always keep in mind with this thing. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely one of the, uh, the most unique times on the calendar for sure is rivalry week. A uh, couple things before we get into, you know, specific matchups, what we're going to be paying attention to and the nitty gritty of the upcoming game. Um, firstly, I, I still believe, um, I still believe with BYU as of right now, being an independent football program, Utah being a member of the Pac-12, I still am adamantly sure that Utah has more to lose here than BYU. I think Utah's a better football team. I think Utah has a more realistic chance of finding postseason success this year than BYU does. And therefore there's more on the line for Utah to lose throughout this game or following this game, I should say, than BYU. So that's worth keeping in mind. Secondly, if you've ever questioned the health of the rivalry, 
BYU has lost nine in a row. Right. Utah's going for number 10. And if you read the media and listen to the fan bases talk, you would have no idea. BYU seriously believe with everything they've got, they can beat Utah this year. And, and, and they may have reason, you know, they may have reason yeah. To, yeah. to believe that. But I'm just, the health of the rivalry for everybody out there saying this game shouldn't matter, blah, blah, blah. Well, first of all, if and when, maybe more importantly, BYU become a member of the Big 12, I mean, this rivalry will only become juicier from a national perspective. And two, right. they've lost nine in a row and, 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 and they still think that there's a, there's a chance they, they get over the line. I mean, it, it's a healthy rivalry. The rivalry's doing just fine, for crying out loud. Uh, we, need to, I, 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 we need to play the game more often, you know, every yeah. year. Because sure. after this year, I think... If I'm not mistaken, Steve, 2024 is, will, will be the next time these two teams met, meet, I should say. So um, we'll see what happens. But anyway, th- those are two quick thoughts from me as it relates to the upcoming game down there at LaBelle Edwards Stadium this Saturday evening. But um, uh, it's very yeah. exciting. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it is interesting. And I agree with you that I think, um, you know, this game is – there's a lot of pressure on Utah each and every year um, to win this game, which is crazy because, you know, they've now won nine straight, but you know, Utah doesn't really gain a lot by beating BYU, right? Like it doesn't help them towards you know, a conference championship. It really doesn't kind of help, you know, there it, it'll help this year because of what BYU did, did last season. And I think a lot of national media and, and, and people across the country kind of view, uh, BYU a little bit differently after last season. Um, but, you know, for, for all the talk, like, you know, Utah has, has a lot of talent, you know, the, the talent discrepancy is, is certainly there. So there is, you know, as crazy as it sounds, you know, for a team that's won nine straight now, there is pressure on Utah to win this game just because the reward um, doesn't necessarily meet the, the, the consequence, you know, with the loss. And so, um, that, that is, that is, uh, I think a valid point. And, and so it's, it's interesting from that dynamic and how Kyle Whittingham, you know, and his team are going to uh, approach this game. I think it is, you know, an important game for Kyle Whittingham and you know, his Utah team to, um, you know, if, if they come in and execute well, that, you know, maybe instead of taking your foot off the gas, you know, in the fourth quarter, you know, with a nine minute drive, maybe you look to, to adding a couple touchdowns and, 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 and that kind of thing late in the game, you know? So it, it will be interesting to see if, if that has any sort of influence, um, you know, on the outcome of this game and, and all of that, but it's, it's certainly been, been interesting to see um, the opinions on this game and, and the predictions on this game. There are a lot of people that are picking BYU to win this game, you know, and they've got, they've got good talent. They've got reason to be optimistic. And so, um, you know, it, it's, uh, like you said, Tom, it's, it's certainly going to be exciting, you know, Saturday night as these two go, like I said, go to battle and, uh, it'll be fun to see, see what unfolds. So, um, I, let's, let's dive into this, Tom, let's dive into this and, and break this game down. Let's do it, Steve. Now, now I will also add that unlike other years, it, if, if, and this is an if, okay, please don't shout at me, people. If Utah loses to BYU, their season is not over. No, no, no. 
other years have gone by and that narrative was was far more realistic you know right. when when BYU really didn't have any national attention or, or uh, you know very few people knew much about them but but this is a a better and far more improved BYU Cougars team um that could you know put together a nice string of games in 2021 and and receive national attention and some hype but that's the positive, I guess. You know, it's yeah. it's not like the, you know, when was it? Was it 2018 when when Utah was down big and you had to come back late? And that was mm. like a, a game later in the year. And like the, like the implications on that game were huge. Not the case this year, which is, which is good. Yeah. Not not that yeah. we not that we you know even want to go down that road, Steve. We just want to assume and hope and think that Utah is going to win, but. Worst case scenario is the season is at least not over. All right, Steve, let's start at the quarterback position. Charlie Brewer versus Jaron Hall. Um, what do you make of it? What, what I can't quite – I don't think last week we got a chance to speak about the BYU game because we recorded on a Friday. This is the, 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 yeah. the time. They obviously played on a Saturday, and so this is the first time we've – spoken with one another since uh, watching BYU. So take it away, Steve. You tell me where you want to go when it comes to matchups, what you'll be watching, and we'll, um, we'll see where the wind blows us. Um, you know, this is, you know, for let's start, obviously, I think, let's start with Charlie Brewer and and, and the matchup between, you know, Charlie Brewer, the, the, you know, his skill players and this uh, BYU um, defense. It's, it's going to be interesting, right? Um, BYU has kind of become known as this drop eight coverage team, um, you know, the, which really gained a lot of traction after they upset USC in 2019 with this, you know, eight guys in coverage where you're just, you know, forcing these teams that want to pass the ball, you know, forcing them to be disciplined and that kind of thing. And so um, keeping that in mind here, BYU has kind of, you know, changed their philosophy a little bit. They've gone from a three-man front to uh, a four-man front, which, you know, that takes a guy out of coverage. And so um, keeping – so instead of, you know, a drop eight coverage, we're seeing, you know, guys, seven guys in coverage, which is more traditional, and and yet they're still um, kind of that soft coverage team where they're trying to keep everything in front of them and then just rally to the ball. And so – you know, it, it is, it's Charlie Brewer has an opportunity um, to really kind of, I don't want to say carve up this defense, but he has some opportunities. There are going to be openings in this defense, you know, for his skill players um, and for his pass catchers to, to make some plays. And it's going to be up to Charlie to make good, quick decisions um, because, you know, this is a defense that it does give up a lot of space in coverage, but they rally to the ball really quickly and they rally to, you know, receivers running their routes pretty quickly. So, um, so from that aspect, I think, you know, we saw last week with Charlie Burris, his ability to make accurate passes in windows in tight windows. And I think that that's going to be a very important thing for Charlie Brewer to do again this week. Um, you know, BYU did play a little bit more man coverage against Arizona, which, was a little bit surprising. Uh, Arizona, they've got some good athletes, you know, at at, uh, at the wide receiver position. And so, you know, they feel they feel pretty confident with their guys, uh, with their cornerbacks specifically, 
uh, and their ability to play man coverage. That was you know quite a bit different in 2019 where they played that soft drop eight coverage um, just because, you know, I think they didn't feel too confident in their ability to play man coverage that season. So a uh, little bit different mindset and approach this season from the BYU defense. Um, and so, uh, Charlie Brewer, again, as long as he, I think, comes out, executes well, makes accurate uh, passes and good decisions, I think he'll have an opportunity to uh, uh, to make some plays this Saturday. Uh, are you under the impression, Steve, that, um, that, that that what BYU showed defensively against Arizona with man coverage is is, is more of what Utah will do? do, do like, you know, and I, I know Kalani has yeah. kind of spoken about this over the years where, you know, he hasn't gotten the the athletes or the players defensively to play press man coverage like Utah did when he was there. Or, um, and so they've had to kind of transition. And that's why we've seen that that eight drop. But then, you know, that opens up kind of running lanes and, and mm-hmm. Carl Cam's obviously, you know, a, a pretty well-known runner of the football at this point, Kalani well aware of that do, do you anticipate this is my the, the long way of me to ask like do you anticipate man coverage um for, for BYU against Utah this weekend yeah I I think I do and and maybe not a lot of it but I do think that we see um quite a bit more man coverage than we ever saw previously um you know if we go back to that 2019 matchup um BYU was primarily zone coverage and I think we'll see a mixture of zone and man coverage. Uh, so uh, it's, it's certainly going to be something to keep in mind as, as we talk about, you know, for the football guys, for the football junkies, you know, that love this kind of stuff. It's, it's going to be something to keep in mind um, that, you know, BYU, they, they played quite a bit more man coverage than I was expecting watching that, that matchup between BYU and Arizona. So I think it really says a lot that they're more confident in their guys and the defensive secondary. Um, and their ability to to play that style. So um, I do think that we'll see, like I said, I think we'll see a mixture of both zone and man coverages Saturday night. So, so that would probably put more pressure on the quarterback position for Utah than, say, in years past. Um, Charlie Brewer, do, do, do you think that for Utah to have success, Charlie Brewer, you know, is, is going to uh, going to have to have some sort of positive impact or, or, or do you believe that Utah's running attack? Um, and while we're talking about that, if you have any update on the offensive line, Steve, now would be a good time to share that. But, but, you know, do you think Utah's running attack can, can be enough to, to provide um, everything it needs, you know, come, come Saturday night? That's going to be like, I do think Charlie Burner has to be a positive impact on this game. Like I think he can't just show up and not, you know, ha- and have a bad game. Like he's got to be positive. He's got to, be productive. He's got to make good decisions, take care of the ball and that kind of thing. Um, what's going to be interesting is, you know, with this change in philosophy where, you know, BYU is kind of switching from a three man front to more of a, an aggressive one gap, you know, attacking style defensive front with four guys um, will be the impact that it has on the run game. I'm, I'm super interested to see what this will look like. I think Utah in 2019 more or less had their way in the run game after that first quarter. Um, Zach Moss, I believe, ran for about 180 yards. Uh, the team ran for 262 yards in that matchup. Uh, but I think that was against a defensive front that was looking to – 
not necessarily sit on blocks, but occupy blocks and control gaps. And Utah just, you know, they, they tend to do really well against those teams, um, you know, blocking in the run game. And so uh, the, the, this aggress this switch in mindset for the BYU defense and this attacking style defense is going to be something that, you know, it could impact the run game as well. And I think, you know, this Utah offensive line, it's going to be an adjustment that they have to make. Um, they have to be prepared for this uh, attacking style. And so, uh, it, it could have an impact on the run game. But overall, I think Utah has the guys up front. And I, I don't have an update on the on the two guys that were out, Jaron Kump and Sato Alaumea. I don't know if they'll play or not. Um, last I heard was that things were trending in the right direction for both of them, uh, which is encouraging. Uh, but regardless, Utah should have the type of offensive line that can that can come in and, and kind of control things in the trenches um, regardless. So – um, I do think that Utah has, you know, they have the run game that can kind of put this game away and, and control the clock and control things um, and kind of dictate things as well. So, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's going to be, like I said, there's going to be adjustments that have to be made. This isn't going to be the same defense that, that the, the offensive line and this offense played against in 2019. There's going to be adjustments that need to be made, but I do think that they have the guys up front on the offensive line you know, and it, and in the backfield to uh, to be productive and to control things if you know when things get to that point. Mm. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be quite fascinating. Uh, now, I, I think the game, Steve, and this is just kind of my my early prediction. I, I think the game is going to be decided when Utah's defense is on the field and BYU's offense is on the field. I think Utah's going to score, you know, enough points to to win the football game. But there is also part of me that looks at this BYU offense and wonders whether or not they can keep up with Utah. And if they can, we'll have ourselves a serious, serious ball game. If they can't, which they've been unable to do really in nine years now, uh, then Utah will, will probably win reasonably easily. But, but Steve, I mean, I look at, first of all, I think Jaron Hall's a pretty good quarterback. Now, he's unproven. Yeah. He hasn't really seen too right. many minutes. But but from what we've seen, he actually looks really quite tidy. And then you look at the receivers, yeah. Samson, Pukunakua, two, two, uh, two proven Pac-12 receivers. I think Isaac Rex is a really talented tight end. Uh, I think Neil Pau is is tall and, and offers something on the outside. If Gunnar Romney's healthy, you know, I don't hate what he provides anyway. My, my point here is that the entire wide receiver package for PYU, you could argue, may be the most talented wide receiver group that Utah has seen in their Pac-12 era. Now, of course, they had years when Mitch Matthews and company kind of led the corpse and actually uh, put up some pretty good numbers. That would have been five, six years ago now. So long story short, in my opinion anyway, I think this is a really, really good wide receiver group. I think uh, Algier at the running back position is also pretty good himself. I think Jaron Hall is uh, is pretty is a pretty scary quarterback to come up against. You know, I just I just think yeah. BYU has got a lot going for them on their offense if they can put it together and match what Utah can do. Offense, we have it. We we've got a ball game, Steve. Um, yeah. Now that may not happen because Utah defensively is also really really good. So uh, take us through what you're watching when it comes to BYU's offense and Utah's defense. Tom, those are, those are great points. And I think one thing to keep in mind is like, 
this is a BYU offense that's playing just with, you know, they're playing with a lot of confidence. And, you know, when you're playing with a lot of confidence that like, it, it's crazy, just kind of the things that, that can happen. And, and so um, that is, is going to be an interesting factor. This isn't a group that's, you know, played, <laughs> that's, that's played a lot of games against Utah. It's a, it's a team that's experienced, you know, a good amount of winning, you know, after last season going 11 and one, that, that generates a lot of confidence in what you're doing. So it will be interesting um, to see. But like you said, Tom, like this Utah defense has been a damn good defense for years and years. Uh, and for me, I think it starts up front with the, the defensive front four. Um, uh, with the amount of, of options that Jaron Hall has you know, at his disposal. And, 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 you know, we don't know the health of, some of these BYU receivers, like obviously the Nakua's were, uh, have been trending in the right direction. And it sounds all indications are that they're going to play, Yeah, um, but still coming back from injury, you just don't know what that's going to look like just yet until they hit the field. Um, Gunnar Romney suffered an injury in, in game one. Um, you know, supposedly Neil Pau has been walking around in a boot. He apparently sprained his ankle. It's sounds precautionary, but again, you just never know. Um, and so, you know, for me with the, the number of options and, and like you said, I'm glad that you brought up Isaac Rex because, you know, he's a, he's an athletic tight end. He's a big body at six, six, about 250 pounds, good athlete, um, good pass catcher. He's a big target, especially in the red zone. Uh, and so those are, those are options for Jaron Hall. And I, I was impressed with Jaron Hall and the throws that he was able to make. I don't think it's. I don't think he has the natural arm talent that maybe Zach Wilson did last season, but he's able to, it's just different, right? Like Zach Wilson was able to do all of these things off platform, off schedule, um, and, and just do all of these really impressive things. And I'm not sure Jaron Hall can do those same kind of things, but he can, he's still plenty of effect. He's got a big arm. He's got a, you know, he can rifle some passes in there. He's a great athlete. Um, you know, you saw it on his 30 whatever yard run up the sideline. The, the kid is explosive. Um, and so from that aspect, to me, the biggest key for, for Utah's defense is going to be the defensive front four. Um, I think that there's um, things to be encouraged about uh, after watching that Utah defensive line against Weber State. Um, you, the Utah defense generated 28 total pressures against Weber State, which is, you know, that's a very big number. LSU was getting pressure, or UCLA was getting a ton of pressure against LSU. They only finished with 25 pressures. And so, you know, they were getting after it. They were blitzing a lot. Um, but but Utah generated 28 pressures. Um, and a lot of it actually came from defensive linemen, which is kind of the, the really encouraging thing is, you know, they, they didn't have to send, you know, a lot of blitzes. Uh, and, and utilize a lot of blitzes. They were able to just generate pressures with their defensive front four. I think the difference this week from, from last week is you don't want to, to allow Jaron Hall to get out into space and to, you know, use his legs too much because that's going to create big plays. It's going to, you know, keep BYU on the field. So there's this fine balance between getting pressure on Jaron Hall while also being disciplined and not allowing him to get out of the pocket and to escape pressure. So that's going to be the big key for me. As long as Utah can, you know, make 
Jaron Hall uncomfortable while keeping him in the pocket and keeping guys in coverage, I think that that's a big win for this Utah defense and kind of the biggest key for me, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. So when, so when I, I, I guess I have a, a unique um, perspective of the Utah program. So just a quick reminder of the folks out there that may have gone. I, I first arrived in 2012 and I was done in 2015, 2011, it was the first year that Utah was in the Pac-12. So in 2012, you know, the vast majority of the Utah football roster were recruited, you know, as Mountain West caliber players. They, they weren't right. being recruited towards the end of my career now. In 2014 and 15, those guys were being recruited and the guys that were coming in were being recruited as Power 5 Pac-12 players. So I saw kind of the best of both worlds. And, and something I, I noticed almost immediately, Steve, was, you know, when, when these Pac-12 caliber players would come in, specifically anybody on the outside, receivers or um, or cornerbacks, there was just something different about them than what you saw on, on the roster at the minute, you know. And I, I say this with all due respect, of course, to everybody that was out there, but, um, you know, just, just different, you know, like the Reggie Tops of the world, the Mike Honeycuts of the world were kind of, um, you know, those right. guys were, and, then, and then you'd get like Justin Thomas's, Reggie Porter's, and there was just something different about J- JT and Reggie Porter and, you know, some lockdown right. corners, Domo, Dominic Hatfield was pretty tidy himself. So, so, so when I watch my point here is when I watch Utah BYU play, you know, I typically am going to just assume that the line of scrimmage is going to be a battle throughout the course of the evening. Um, so I go straight to the outside. I go straight to the, the wide receiver cornerback battle. Um, and what I've learned over the years, and I did this even as I played, you know, what I learned was generally speaking, the Utah wide receivers were able to get off the line of scrimmage, create some sort of separation more often than not, and find pockets of space in the, in the BYU defense for the quarterback, whoever it may be at the time, to throw the football down the field and execute uh, offensively accordingly. What I've also learned is when you watch BYU play, they don't have the power five caliber player on the outside. And they often, you know, it's like, uh, a Mountain West player coming up against Jalen Johnson back in the day or Clark Phillips right. or Travis Bort, like Broughton, like whoever it is, like it's just so challenging. I, I remember there was one game Jalen Johnson played, Stephen. I mean, the receiver for BYU, whoever it was up against him, man, like he didn't even get off the line of scrimmage half the time, yeah. trying out loud, let alone like trying to find pocket space. He couldn't even get off the damn line of scrimmage. Yeah. You know, and it's like that, like you just can't. You're, I don't care who you have at quarterback. Zach Wilson, great example. Number two overall pick, you know, will probably have a pretty long career in the NFL. How good it is, only, you know, time will tell. But my point is he was good. And right. uh, even he had a hard time trying to hit. His only target uh, in 20, you know, 18, 19 that I remember was Matt Bushman, tight end. Everybody on the outside couldn't get off the down minus group. So, this is why I'm really, really fascinated with this year's matchup because you have Sansa Nakua, who was packed to a proven commodity at, at wide receiver. You have Puka Nakua, who was arguably the best freshman wide receiver when he was at Washington. I mean, just those two guys alone, Steve, you know that they can get off the line of scrimmage. You know that they're going to find, you know, small pockets of space at some point in the game that could potentially open up bigger gaps. Uh, and, and Isaac Rex, I think, is, is, is similar to Matt Bushman. I think Isaac Rex is going to be a problem for Utah. So here's my point, and this is it. I think the game is won or lost when Utah's defense is going up against BYU's, BYU's offense. And if BYU can move the chains 
uh, and get themselves out into the red zone more often than not. I think we have a ball game. If they can't, which they've had a hard time doing over the years, then it's going to be 10 in a row. That is my bold prediction. Do we go into score predictions, Steve? Have you had a chance to think about score predictions, my friend? Oh, man. Ooh, score predictions. I have not thought too much about it. Um, but I think, you know, I do think that you know, I've, I've seen some of the spreads, some of the lines and all of that. So I, you know, I can, I can go off that, but I haven't thought too much about score no, no, predictions that's okay. yet. That's all right. So I think Vegas came out with what, six points. That's yeah, also kind of concerning if you ask me, like, because Vegas is pretty good at picking spreads and, and six points is, is closer than I'm sure most Utah fans would want. Yeah, and I, I think so. I think it started out at, at six and a half. I think I've seen some lines um, move to seven and a half. Gotcha. Um, you know, and then you factor in you know the three points that that home teams typically get, yeah. um, and you're you're floating closer to double digits. Um, so you know, I think, man, it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, history has shown us that this game is going to be tight, right? Like this game is going to come down. Um, it's the majority of these nine victories. A lot of these have, have come down to, um, you know, single scores. Uh, you know, you think of the, the Las Vegas bowl, Utah starting out incredibly well, 35 points in the first quarter. Uh, you know, that was the game where the, like you're, you're, you're talking smack. What was that? The night before the game mm-hmm. at the Las Vegas bowl and, um, you know, in that whole game, and and then it ends up being what a thirty-five twenty-eight win. You know, you've got the 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 comeback in twenty eighteen where Utah was down twenty-seven to seven with like sixteen minutes left in the entire game. Like there was, I think, forty-five seconds left in the in the uh, in the third quarter when Utah scored a touchdown, and so uh, and they come back and win. I think thirty-five twenty-seven in that game. Um. You know, so it's it's been close, and that's what history has shown us: is this game is going to be close. You know, even twenty nineteen, you know, it was just a thirty to nineteen, thirty to nineteen game. And I think, you know, I I think, you know, if Utah can get it to to a double digit victory, that's a <laughs> that's a significant um, that's a significant win for for Kyle Whittingham in this program. I said earlier in the week uh, on a local radio station, I said 34-27 was my prediction. Um, so I'll yeah. just stick with that because why the hell not? Hey, Steve, before we get out of here, I do have to ask you a quick question that's coming to mind. Um, you know, a storyline that I'm sure you've thought of, but maybe not all the fans have thought of, is is this dynamic between assistant coaches and and, and coordinators, to be exact. So. So Morgan Scally and Aaron Roderick, obviously are well well-known. Uh, companions of one another. Good friends, I'm sure, spent many, many years up at Utah with one another, uh, going over game plans and, and and scheming opponents and scouting and being on the road. And you name it, they were shoulder to shoulder for you know over a decade, essentially. Right. Who, who does this favor? Does this favor Morgan Scully at Utah, knowing you know that 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 a rod uh, or knowing what a rod likes to try and get done, or do you think this favors a rod, knowing what? Scally's trying to get done, or do you think there is no, no, no member here that's favored? Do you think you know some reverse psychology may come into play? And I mean, that is just such a fascinating yeah. dynamic, isn't it? So I can only no, imagine it, what the two have been thinking about this week. Oh, uh, like that's 
that's kind of the wild thing about coaching, right? Is it's, it's like, it's a total chess match, um, you know, where, you know, is, is you're thinking one thing, but is he thinking that thing? And so you've got to kind of rework what you're thinking. And then, you know, is he thinking that I'm overthinking things? And so now he's got to start rethinking things. And I just revert back to what I thought originally, like, that's kind of the game that these coaches play in their preparation for these games. You know, it's, it's a lot of time in, in the film, you know, in the film room where you're trying to, to digest as much as you possibly can and being prepared for, for, for anything and everything um, and trying to put forth your best game plan. Um, but like film, film is, is, is very important in this thing, but even then, you know, it's still, I don't want to call it like guesswork makes it sound like it's it, it. And it's not guesswork, right? Like these are educated guesses, but it's still, there's that element of trying to guess correctly what the opponent is going to do. And and that I, I'm glad that you brought this up because I, I, yeah, it's a, it's an underrated aspect of these types of games, especially in rivalry games where, you know, you know the opponent so well. Um, you know the tendencies and everything, and you're always trying to to outthink you know the other guy and come up with something that that'll throw him off. And and so uh, you know, I I honestly don't know Tom, but it is certainly uh, an interesting dynamic between Scally and, and Roderick, and and it'll be fun to see you know, who comes out the the victor in this one. Here's what I do think will happen. I I do think both defenses, I do think Scali and and Tuiaki, I think they bring heat early. I think both defenses blitz a lot early in this match to try and rattle the feathers of the opposing offensive line and quarterback. Uh, We saw BYU do it against, uh, against Arizona, and they had great success. Utah didn't really have to blitz against Weber, but you know, like historically, you know, there is some blood, some bad blood between these two teams. And although the head coaches may like one another, they don't like each other for about three, four hours once a year. And uh, and I just have to think that that Wit and Scali and Sitake and uh, Tuiaki, they're going to dial up some heat. Dial up some pressures and uh, and look if 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 an offense can handle it, then that's the first victory won for the evening. And if they can't, well, then it could be a long night because I have to assume those blitzes and those pressures are going to just keep on coming. Anyway, Steve, we've talked enough about it. It's been a blast. Hey, do me a favor for everybody out there. Do check Steve out on Twitter at sbartle two four seven, and please do sign up at udzone.com. You can get a seven-day free trial. This is the week to do it. Get yourself geared up, ready to go for the upcoming match uh, between Utah and BYU down at Lebel Edwards Stadium. Uh, I'm at Tom Can't Hack it on Twitter. You can find my work on uh, on KSLSports.com. Uh, Nate Wade Subaru is our sponsor. We love and appreciate them. Give them give them a call. If you're driving a Subaru, you want to get yourself into a 2021 model, just call them. They'll, they'll give you a, a crazy deal. The used car market is as hot as it's ever been. So um, you'd be amazed at what they can offer you. Steve, it's an eight thirty oh. kick. It's an eight thirty kick. What? Hey, what is it on ESPN? It's on ESPN. Yes. 
It's on ESPN. Uh, I feel sorry for everybody having, every Utah fan having to go down to Lavelle Edwards. I assume you're going to be one <laughs> of them, Steve, because getting in and out of that place is a living nightmare. You'll be home at 4 a.m., but fortunately, I do believe in and out will be open for you to sneak on through on your way back. Uh, you may even see Carl Whittingham there. Last time that they went down, I think that's where Whit went, was yeah. uh, was to, to in and out with the team. So uh, anyway, I'm excited for it, Steve. I wish you luck. I'll be watching from the comfort of my home. You'll be up there. Um, have fun, dude. Enjoy it. Yeah, man. There's just, you know, as scary and as stressful as these games can be, they only happen once a year, and uh, and they're pretty cool to experience. So. Here's hoping Utah can find 10 in a row, and we'll be back with another episode next week dissecting, obviously, the uh, the hopeful win and uh, the upcoming opponent on the uh, road fixture against San Diego State. Steve, be well, dude. We'll speak next week. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.